0: You can support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. by purchasing a cell phone case from Crossway, crossweh.com slash LPR. You'll find cell phone cases for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, and Luther's Seal with the Reformation Solas, crossweh.com slash LPR. A percentage of your purchase will support Issues Etc., cross weh.com slash LPR if summer doesn't sing in you then nothing sings in you and if nothing sings in you then you can't make music something she told me
1: hello I'm Lenny hello Felicia oh she's so beautiful oh, tell me about it oh her. she's wonderful she's a lovely girl What age are we living in? One can be as free as one likes, without guilt or confession. Please, I know exactly who you are. He can be the first great American conductor. They would call the life of Leonard Bernstein today in the common parlance complicated. Well, a man who stands as a giant in American music and in cinema now has biopic of his own. And Bradley Cooper has written, directed and starred in it. The movie is called Maestro. How well does it explore the complications that were Leonard Bernstein's life? Welcome back to Issues cetera. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's time to review the movie Maestro. Pastor Ted Geese joins us. He has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He's pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. And he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. Ted, welcome back. Thanks, Todd. Last time we talked, you expressed a, a, a little anxiety, but also an anxiousness to review this movie. Why?
0: Well, I mean, Leonard Bernstein is, is one of these kind of big composers, uh, you know, he's a big guy in the history of film and television and, you know, kind of American orchestral music and film scoring and things like that. So, I mean, he's an interesting guy, but the trepidation also comes in knowing a little bit about him. And of course, this is a biopic, so now afterwards you will know more about him. And sometimes I think uh, knowing less about certain people in the industry is maybe better. <laughs> it's one of these films that it's it's kind of a hard film to watch. It, it's it's really super well made. It's Bradley Cooper here, both uh, directs, has a writing credit, and is acting in it as Leonard Bernstein. So it was a interesting film to watch, but it's also deeply sad and kind of heartbreaking in moments and which I guess that's par for the course for all of these kinds of Oscar nominated films. And before I forget about this, just to throw this in here, this is one of these kind of films that are, it's a typical kind of film that would be nominated for Oscars. I mean, it was also nominated for Golden Globes, but it's very typical in that way, except there's an additional kind of element to it now Listener, you may remember, like, we had talked a number of years ago about changes that were being made to eligibility for nominations for the Oscars. And they needed to have more representation, quote unquote, from certain segments of the society at large. So, in one of the areas was more LGBTQ related representation. So while this film itself would normally already kind of garner awards in general because of the nature of this biopic and him being kind of a famous person within the industry, on top of that, this film deals with his homosexual lifestyle also connected to his marriage. And we'll get more into that, but that kind of tips the scales again. So a lot of these films that are now up for Oscars or that were being considered for Golden Globes, just through this kind of awards season, they're going to have these kind of elements in them. And that is a big part of this film. And for those of you who are kind of like trying to place Leonard Bernstein, he wrote all the music for West Side Story. And in fact, it was Steven Spielberg working on the remake of West Side Story that kind of also along the side, next to that was this project about Leonard Bernstein. And as a result of that project, kind of adjacent to his remake of West Side Story, Bradley Cooper ended up working his way into being the writer director of that project with Steven Spielberg's blessing and Steven Spielberg being involved in the producing of this film so for me it's kind of an interesting film to kind of like dig into but it's the number of times i sit down to watch these films that are up for oscars and it's like it's like hard work because it's not exactly a thrill ride you're not there for the entertainment value of it per se necessarily that doesn't mean that it's not entertaining in parts but just that it's an emotional slog to get through some of these films
1: this is not directly to the content of the film but you had mentioned the di- kind of the diversity mandate that Hollywood is operating under. And early on when the trailer was released, many people noticed the famous profile of Bradley Cooper, one of the handsomest men on earth, was slightly altered. He received some criticism for doing this to make him appear more like Leonard Bernstein and some people said more Jewish. What are your thoughts?
0: Well, Leonard Bernstein was Jewish. like he's a, He was a Jewish man. And also, they were trying to make him look like Leonard Bernstein. So that, that kind of fits. I read an interesting article by this Kate Maltby who was talking about – the name of the article was Nose Aside, Maestro Completely Ignores Bernstein's Jewish Identity. And we can kind of get a little more into some of that stuff. But yeah, there's this kind of history of actors playing – parts that that's not their own ethnic background, let's say, or their own place in, in the world. Breakfast at Tiffany's and Andy Rooney as the landlord doing this Chinese thing, it was like really, really bad. And there's really, really bad versions of this. But then you kind of, there's like two ditches, right? So you can have really bad representations of different ethnicities and you can have like really accomplished, well done versions of it. I would say that Bradley Cooper fits in the really well done, accomplished version of it and not in the ditch of Breakfast at Tiffany's kind of a thing here. So the other thing is, is that they show, and I'm not sure if it's probably a combination of some CGI and makeup as well, but part of it is it becomes more pronounced in age. And this happens to all sorts of people, like of all sorts of backgrounds, you know, your face changes over time. And they start with kind of like him near the very end of his life being interviewed and they kind of go back and forth in his life as you get from these biopic type films. But him as an older man, as Leonard Bernstein, is is quite well done. And the number of times I see old age makeup or, you know, like CGI'd age changes and stuff for actors where it's like really terrible, this is actually really really well done. So again, the quality of this film is it's a high quality film and they did a really good job of capturing that. There's kind of another reason in behind all of this. There's a point in the film where he's in England at a cathedral and he's conducting a symphonic piece of music, this orchestral piece. And as he's doing that, you know, it's later in his life and and essentially what Bradley Cooper, I, I listened to this interview with him, what Bradley Cooper wanted was at that point in the film, for you to kind of like, sort of forget that it's Bradley Cooper and just be watching this extended period, like six minutes long, seven minutes long, no cuts, just him conducting. But now you kind of know who this Leonard Bernstein is better. But the makeup is part of that. And the look of him and his all of his mannerisms and everything... The the idea is is that the audience just kind of like forgets that they're watching Bradley Cooper and starts to kind of like see him. Now, lots of biopics, what happens is, is at the end of the film during the credits, they actually show archival footage of Leonard Bernstein. So you you then can compare and contrast. But they do a really good job of this stuff in this particular movie. The side kind of comment with all of this is that because of diversity, equity, inclusion uh, mandates within some of the studios in Hollywood right now, you're starting to, in a granular kind of way, get down to this idea where it's like, if you're not like a a Chinese animator, let's say, you can't even animate a Chinese character for a movie. it's It's becoming so narrow that you have to be the thing to act in the thing. And it kind of I don't know, like they're having a bit of a crisis of acting in Hollywood right now. So yeah, there there are some people who are, have made comments about Bradley Cooper in this particular role, but he's done a a very good job in terms of representing Leonard Bernstein.
1: Pastor Ted Geese is our guest. We're reviewing the movie Maestro on the other side. He said it was sad. How much of that is tied up with the plot of Bernstein's life as a closeted gay man?
0: like we always do. Saturday night at the moon, hits. Who cares what picture you see?
1: What does it mean to inwardly digest God's Word? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. Journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. John Warwick Montgomery tells his story of finding confessional Lutheranism to be the most scripturally faithful theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the Church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org. flsplano.org. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons, or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial a podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now.
0: Education and edification. You're listening to Issues Etc. Our school
1: is committed to authentic Lutheranism, the entire Book of Concord, and indeed, To authentic Lutheranism as it has continued to be confessed and practiced through the centuries, right up into our own time. Dr. Cameron McKenzie, Chairman of the Department of Historical Theology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We're committed then to biblical, confessional, Christianity, and Lutheranism and applying it to the world of today in as effective a way as we can. You can find out more about studying for the pastoral ministry at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, at ctsfw.edu, ctsfw.edu, or call 1-800-481-2155. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin, reviewing the movie Maestro with Pastor Ted Geese. Ted, you mentioned earlier that the movie is sad, and I'm wondering if that's just your reaction or whether or not telling the story of a closeted gay man and the deception and confusion that must have caused in his real life, it's part of the film's design.
0: Personally, I find it on the sad side of things. And that's me as a a viewer coming to this film. I would describe it as like this complicated professional and married life on screen about Leonard Bernstein. But if you went to IMDB and you looked at the little brief synopsis they have, they say, this love story chronicles the lifelong relationship of conductor-composer Leonard Bernstein and actress Felicia Montenegro-Cohen Bernstein. So they're looking at it as a love story. I'm looking at it as like, if it's a love story, it's a tragic love story. And I mean, I, do these two people love each other? Do they show that in the, in the movie? Yes, but it is way on the tragic side of things. So for example, it starts early on when they first meet, like in the 1940s, and then it goes way later into life. So there's a spot near the end of the film where Leonard Bernstein is in a nightclub and they have this um, song, Shout by Tears for Fears. You know, this is Shout, Shout, Let It All Out. This is that song, right? And he's kind of slow motion dancing with this young guy who wants to be a conductor. And he's been kind of tutoring him at, at like a kind of a conductor camp school kind of a thing. And now he's at the nightclub and they're slow dancing to this pop song by Tears for Fears, and it's kind of going to ruin that song for me, probably, because now I'm just going to think of that scene. And it's just kind of this old man with this young guy, and it's everything about it is tragic and sad to me as I'm watching it, made even more so by seeing how this relationship between him and his wife unfolded through the course of the film. So in a way, she's like, she's okay with all of it until she isn't. The two of them smoke like chimneys through the whole entire film. And then she ends up with lung cancer and that's part of the film as well. So there's enough personal tragedy kind of in the mix. And then on top of that is this, this other aspect of it. I know like years ago, you studied graphic design and like myself, I was in a bachelor of fine arts program. In University, and there's a term that they used to use that you don't really hear very much anymore, but this idea of like a couple coming together, like a man and a woman, where the man is has this homosexual lifestyle, and the woman they they get married and they refer to the wife as the term is a beard that like a beard like hides something and that's the idea and you see this going on in this relationship that she is this public facing Part of the relationship to the general public, but then there's this other private life that's going on next to it. And she's a, f- a willing part of the whole thing from the get go. And she's fine with it until, like I said, until she isn't.
1: What are your thoughts on? Um, you said there's like a seven minute sequence of him conducting an orchestra. How convincing was it? Bernstein was a master conductor, obviously, name of the film.
0: I've been to the symphony, I've seen conductors, it looks really good. I think it's, it's an excellent depiction of that. There is this kind of thing though, like that happens too, as when you're watching a film like this, where, you know, that, that he's, he's written it, he's directed it, he's helping produce it, he's acting in it. There's this kind of thing that happens where it's like, I know his intention is that you kind of just forget that it's Bradley Cooper up there, but Myself as a viewer, I can't, even though that's his intention, it's it's hard for me to do that. So I see this kind of like long shot with no cuts and him doing all this is a real feat of acting, but I, I can't, it's hard for me to disassociate it from it being Bradley Cooper doing it. So on one hand, it's kind of like, it shows his personal ambition towards getting that best actor nomination, which he got for the oscars so that can kind of short circuit his intention i think for a viewer like me i mean other people who are not maybe watching it as critically as i am might not have that experience but for myself it's like i you know well martin scorsese's killers of the flower moon had a chance to watch that and there's a moment where martin scorsese shows up in it and Alfred Hitchcock and different directors have done this at different times, but sometimes it works great and other times it kind of comes off as, I don't know, self-indulgent or at least it's not doing maybe exactly what people are expecting. So so it's it's kind of a remarkable moment in the film, but at the same time, it's like, for me personally, it's, it's hard to unhinge everything.
1: We are reviewing the movie Maestro with Pastor Ted Geese and we'll get his pastoral concerns next.
0: Your lifeline to the Lutheran worldview. You're listening to Issues Etc.
1: How did God address the Gentile nations through the prophet Isaiah? What is God's message to his own people regarding both judgment and consolation? And how does Isaiah's divine message apply to us today? Find out in the new Concordia Commentary on Isaiah, chapters 13 through 27. Learn more at IssuesETC.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House. 1 800 325 3040. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February, the Concordia Commentary on Isaiah 13 through 27. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We are reviewing the movie Maestro with Pastor Ted Geese. He teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. Ad Crucem has added several new plaques to its website. You'll find plaques on the Four Evangelists, Jesus, Our Shepherd, the Book of Concord title page, and more. A D C R U C E M dot com. Ted, share some of your pastoral concerns about this film.
0: As I was watching the film, I was reflecting on on certain things from my own past watching it. So the number of times that certain people within Hollywood or within the art world are kind of touted and put forward as like this kind of inspirational individual to look up to, and the number of times that I personally going through art school had that happen where they were promoted to you, but then they kind of didn't really bring up these other things. That happened quite often, so I think Leonard Bernstein is a guy that kind of fits into that category It being kind of difficult to to sometimes once you know certain things about an actor or uh in this case a composer and a conductor, it makes it kind of hard to like take what they're doing uh and separate it from the the life that they're they've lived or that they're living that's kind of a a thing here so as viewers watching this film you might come to it as like oh i love that west side story movie it was so great you know oh he did on the waterfront the music for that oh that's great or the i i remember those like children's like orchestra like a guide to the symphony kind of things that he used to do that stuff's also like i remember all that stuff and then now you're going to sit in the theater and you're going to get hit with all of these other things and that might not be what you're signing up for when you are sitting down to watch this movie. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't think about these things sometimes, or that being confronted with these things isn't can't have a worthwhile end result. But I think that the worthwhile end result, and this is where my pastoral concern would come in, and, and I've I've said this before, it's like, if you're going to watch a movie like this, or you find yourself watching a movie like this, Don't forget your catechism. Don't forget what Scripture teaches about the things that are placed in front of you. Take the opportunity to think about what you're watching from where you are as a viewer, and in this case, as a Christian viewer, let's say, watching this film. So when I was watching it, there were two different commandments from the Ten Commandments that really kind of came to mind for me. The one is maybe kind of obvious because we're talking about this marriage where there's also this homosexual life that the husband is living. So the one might be obvious and that's the sixth commandment. So you shall not commit adultery. You know, what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do and husband and wife love and honor each other. So the whole idea about like refraining from adultery is, is that you're going to forsake all others and you're going to focus on your spouse and that's it so clearly this is a case where you have that not happening so it's worth kind of thinking about that as you're watching this film and there's a really strange part of it is that she is aware of this from the beginning like very quickly in she knows about all this and she's a willing participant in this this kind of a strange relationship that they end up in and at the very beginning, like there's this moment where she says to him, You don't even know how much you need me, do you? And he says, I might. So the reason that she's getting involved in this relationship is that she sees a certain genius in him. She attributes that genius to his homosexual feelings towards other men. And she wants to facilitate and help that genius along because she thinks it's something worthwhile for society so at the beginning she i would say gets into this delusional kind of uh frame of mind where she's she's allowing for it all to happen so in modern parlances they have something called open marriages right this idea that or even it starts to roll into the idea of like polyamory where the people all know what's going on and that they're not kind of keeping secrets from each other and that it's the keeping of secrets from each other which would be the bad thing but not the actual relationships that are going on and like as a viewer i would say the pastoral concern is while this is a like i would say a tragic story i think it's intended also to be kind of inspirational so if you sat down and watch this and you kind of think to yours i i wouldn't want somebody to have a softened feeling about all of this way of living your life. And I I think it's honest about like the difficulties that are associated with all this and the sin that happens between people as a result of all of this. But at the same time, it's not coming out saying, hey, don't do this. It's basically coming out saying, hey, this is what their life was like, which is fine on one hand, but from a pastor, thinking about your spiritual well-being, I'm thinking like, hey, somebody along the way needs to provide commentary for this. And and that's why I'm so thankful that we get to have conversations like this about films like this, so that that becomes part of the conversation around a movie like this.
1: How's the musical score, given it's about a famous musician?
0: It's really good. Like I said, this is a really well-made film, so everything is top-notch. Also the kind of ebb and flow of the whole film kind of follows like his musical style. So Bradley Cooper as a director talked about how he he wanted the pacing of the film and like the beats of the music to kind of influence the way that the film unfolds. So if you're really big into the music end of things, if you're like quote unquote a music snob kind of a thing like that and you just love all of that stuff to death and you've listened to his scores over and over again, you're going to notice certain things like the music from on the waterfront is near the beginning of the film. And like, there's just, there's some like, uh and just like the way that he incorporates certain pieces of music into the film are fun and interesting. So like, there's a lot to enjoy when it comes to that kind of end of things. Overall, it's a, it's a good film, but if you want to watch a, a film about, well, it's not like a, a true story but if you want to watch a film about a gay like conductor there was a film with Kate blanchett called tar that came out um the last couple of years that film was probably actually a better film overall and kind of starts to get into like kind of a, a hitchcock style drama suspense thriller so this is a very good movie is this the very best movie ever even about a gay conductor no but it, it is quite good this is on Netflix, so the people at netflix they they kind of had a lot of faith in Bradley Cooper. he's got like Steven Spielberg behind him and and of course, that would have garner some some interest. It is a little bit of a for some audience members, they might not be super interested in it. It starts out it's black and white, then the last half of it is in color. so it's not always a hundred percent. Maybe what everybody's going to like the whole way through. But part of the pacing related stuff for the film is is related back to the music itself and him trying to incorporate the music end of things from Bernstein into the film.
1: It's been panned by some critics as ignoring Bernstein's not only just his heritage, but his religious affiliation. Are there any other religious elements in it?
0: There are, I mean, like there's a couple moments, there's one moment where there's kind of a conversation amongst like Jewish people involved in the music industry. And they're, they're kind of talking about like, it's, it's kind of treading into the area of maybe he can't succeed quite as well as he could because he's a Bernstein and maybe if he changed his name to Burns, that that would help there's that kind of element in there as well. One thing that really stuck out to me was there's this kind of moment in it where he's, he's having this conversation with an interviewer, like he's being interviewed and the interviewer is kind of talking about his, his relationship to, you know, his work and his life and everything. And he starts to kind of talk about like how he doesn't want to believe that a man is just, this trapped animal that he's a victim of his own greeds and follies and then he says either one believes in the divine element in this or one doesn't and then he says as long as i believe it which i assume is why i love people so much then i have to believe that in some remote corner of my soul there's a way out so this is a a spot in the film where it starts getting into questions of faith and because he's a Jewish man then this would be from a Jewish perspective and there's it does indicate that like his in his life he did have some sort of some sort of concept of the soul some sort of concept of maybe some avenue of redemption as a a Christian we would say the avenue of redemption for anyone Jew Gentile anyone in the whole entire world that avenue is Christ Jesus the film doesn't get into those kind of questions but it does have that kind of brief moment where they kind of start to leh, dig into it a little bit i mean and then like as like we were talking about the sixth commandment of course like the jewish people have the commandments so you know like this is a part of their upbringing and their life, he would know that this kind of relationship that he's entered into is deeply transgressive. He would know that, right? And also the fact that it's not being honest about all of it would also be something that would be on his mind. So this is the other commandment, like I alluded to a couple of commandments. The other one that kind of came to mind was the eighth commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbors, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. So a lot of the tension that happens throughout the film is kind of in the guts of that explanation to that commandment, because I think that in a way, his wife is thinking that this is a kindness that she is engaged in, but at the same time, it is it is a lie. There are three children. They do share this kind of strange, complicated love, but the rest of it is is hinging on lies, even to the point where Maya Hawk plays one of the kids. And there she's heard now some rumors about her dad, and he's being confronted about this by his wife, and now he has to talk to his daughter, and then he's being told by his wife, "Listen, you've got to go lie to her." So that is a big part of this film, this movie is the question about truth and lies and public- like public things, private things. you know, at what point are you just bearing false witness? And at what point is that also kind of corrosive to your soul, and becoming this thing that you're trapped in? Sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Right after it's conceived, this kind of a, a notion of things. So you're getting a lot of that in the film. So is it a really interesting character study when it digs into these things? Yes, it is. You know, it, but is it also very tragic and sad? Absolutely.
1: Given the fact that Bradley Cooper, as you mentioned before, not only directed, but starred in and has a writing credit on this film, has this opened a new chapter for the actor in his career and with all the nominations
0: he's received? The thing about this film is, is that it proves that he's good at this because he also made A Star is Born, that remake from 2018. With uh, Lady Gaga in it, and he played the character of Jack. So at this point, you know, he's got a, for that film, he's got a writing credit, he's got the directing credit, and he's got an acting credit. He's done this a couple of times now, and he's proving himself to be good at this. So I think that this, even if he doesn't win any awards per se this time out, it's opening the, like, more doors for him each time he's able to pull this kind of thing off. So for him as a writer, director, actor, he's really got a lot of range. And I mean, he also was Rocket Raccoon in the Guardians of the Galaxy film, did the voice acting and some of the animated character action capture stuff. He's got a really good, solid resume at this point. And the kind of like the sky's the limits for Bradley Cooper.
1: Pastor Ted Geese has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He is pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada, and he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. You'll find a link to his movie reviews on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Ted, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. When we come back, we'll respond to your unanswered Bible questions with Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer and Pastor Brian Wolf Miller. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. This week on The Word of the Lord Endorsed Forever, we continue on in James with a dead faith, faith and works, taming the tongue, a restless evil, and wisdom from above. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at the thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider.
0: Theology has consequences. It doesn't live just in ivory towers, but actually and the very choices and daily lives of God's people as they live out what they believe and confess in the world. To learn more about how theology affects our daily lives, this February issue of The Lutheran Witness discusses how the theology of Seminex affected the very lives of God's people in the LCMS and how God worked to preserve his church. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Providing artillery support for the church militant on the front lines You're listening to Issues Etc.
1: At Memoria Press, the Simply Classical curriculum is specifically designed for students with significant learning challenges. This complete program includes everything you need for a school, self-contained classroom, tutoring, or homeschool to make a classical Christian education accessible for any child. To learn more, visit us at simplyclassical.com then use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Simply classical, a beautiful education for any child.
0: Hey, young adults, are you finding it harder and harder to meet and connect with other Lutheran men and women? Join us at University Lutheran Church in Champaign, Illinois on Saturday, April 6th for the Martin Plus Katie Conference. We'll talk about being men and women in Christ, meet new friends, get to know each other, and have fun. Register at martinpluskatie.org. That's M-A-R-T-I-N-P-L-U-S-K-A-T-I-E.org. Registration closes on Palm Sunday.